You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You, you feel this, this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet After Dark Podcast. This is the call-in show of the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to participate, please feel free to call in at 608-501-0718. New callers go directly to the front of the line. It does not look as though we have any new callers. So we'll just continue on with what we've been continuing on with. Hey, Ryan. Mr. Wonderlick here. Hey, Mr. Wonderlick. Listening to your rant about how Gutekind doesn't ever flinch. And I just want to remind us, um, Mike Daniel, the Patriots came to town, tried to do a trade negotiation. We heard the trade negotiation broke down, which meant they offered us something, and we cut it. If you don't want to play by our rules, we'll cut him. You can get him in free agency. With Rodgers, he's going to let him retire if they don't around our rules yeah. and give us what we want. He's not going to flinch. Well, anyway, thanks. Go back home. Yeah, and I think that's right. And and you could look at that and say, well, then he failed because we didn't get anything for him. Not necessarily because you're setting a precedent. The The Patriots, by the way, did not get Mike Daniels. That's the reason you pay. If you want him you're going to pay him. Otherwise, you can compete with all the other 31 teams or however many teams are interested in Mike Daniels, and or 30 teams, I guess it would be. Um, you can compete with them, and you can go try to deal with that. But if you give in and you start backing down, then you're a pushover forever. That's the precedent you set. You're never going to get the value that you feel that somebody is worth. So you're either going to get the value that you require or you're going to set the precedent right here, right now, that something is better than nothing, and then everybody's just going to... Because, listen, everybody's going to come to the table with a rock-bottom offer. And if you're just going to keep accepting it, then you're just going to do a garbage job ever getting the right value. And again, the other benefit of that is he has a track record. So when he comes to the table and says, this is a firm offer, if he had accepted every other offer that was a low-ball offer across the league for however many years... There's no way in the world anybody's going to buy that that's your offer. They're going to wait for you to move. And I I had done the uh, Play Like a Jet podcast, and one of the things that he had mentioned is, well, their GM is wired the exact same way. He doesn't flinch either. He's got the same reputation. However, what Jets fans are worried about is the owner. 
which by the way, people who want us to have a, an owner, it's hilarious because they are, that guy's a freaking taking time bomb. Essentially in their minds, we have a good GM so long as the owner doesn't meddle. And the fear is he's going to meddle. And I think that that's the truth. You remember that scene from the office when, um, Michael Scott started his own paper company, whatever. And then, um, uh, the other company, the uh, Dunder Mifflin offers to buy them out and they give him a, a, a low ball offer. And he's like, look, you, you guys can't be making much money. I don't know how you're doing what you're doing, but blah, 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 blah. I know the market. I know this. I know that. And what did Michael Scott fire back with? He didn't refute any of that. He never refuted that their company was in trouble. But what he did say is, what I know is that you've got a board meeting coming up. And I know that your biggest branch is bleeding because he was stealing all their customers. And you're going to have to go to the board and answer for that. And bottom line is, you're probably going to get fired. So maybe I don't need, remember the exact line, maybe I don't need to wait out whatever, I just need to wait out you. In other words, again, it's a question of leverage. The, the Michael Scott Paper Company was doomed. It was dead in the water. So you get your Pat McAfee's out there like, look at the bad situation. You're right. But you know what? They're going to flinch. And he did. And it's the same with the Jets. The Jets and Joe Douglas come to the table and Joe's like, I'm not moving. And uh, Gutekunst is like, I'm not either. And so they keep playing this game. And then, but, but here's the thing. What Gutekunst knows is that maybe Joe Douglas won't crack, but Woody Johnson will. That guy wants Rodgers. And he's the owner. He's the multi-bajillionaire. He's the guy that when I come down and I say, listen, enough is enough. I want the guy to make it happen. That's what's going to happen. So on one side, there is no owner pushing buttons. Mark Murphy isn't going to come down and say, you need to get this deal done. I've had enough. Bull crap. Gutekunst is in charge of this thing. So as far as who's going to win this staring contest, it's the guy that doesn't have an owner that's going to crack and come downstairs and say, enough is enough. I don't want to lose this deal. Get it freaking done. And it's possible that's what we're waiting for. Gutekunst and Joe Douglas are, Douglas are both playing hardball, and Goot's like, I'll wait you out. And something to, to consider also is that it's possible that the Jets feel that the Packers are going to crack because of the draft. And they may take it all the way through that, kind of trying to call the Packers bluff. And if Gutekunst will hold strong through the draft, which is not what anybody wants to hear, but if he'll go all the way through that and just go, I don't care, and he doesn't crack, then there's nothing left. Gutekunst has still got Rodgers. They still have the contract. That train has come and gone, and it didn't smack into Gutekunst. It didn't take him off the rails. He's still holding strong. This is our price. And the other, the other thing you have to be afraid of, and, and Gutekunst can, can flat out say this, when you get down to the final week before the draft, just so you know, after the draft, the price goes up again. That's up to you, though. You want to you wanna play freaking hardball? You want to you know, try to derail my 2023 draft plans because you think I'm going to crack? That's fine. I won't. I'll see you on the other side with a new offer that is even higher. But they may try that. They may, they may try to use the draft as their last little bit of leverage to see if they can get Goot to crack. And if he doesn't, then, then they got nothing left and they're just going to have to do a deal. Which, again, is going to upset a lot of people because we all want those picks today. But as I've said, I, as much as I want them, I really think next year's picks make way more sense. We don't know what we need. We need to figure that out first. Let's just find out. But anyways, that's my, my thoughts. But you're right. Um, I don't know exactly the background behind that. According to a report from Mike Garofolo, um, it looks like the Packers tried to trade him around. Patriots, Chiefs, and Browns couldn't find the value that they wanted, so they cut him. Which, I mean, let's be honest, that, that's a fairly, fairly common practice, I guess. You, you call around and say, hey, is anybody interested at this price? And I'm sure the teams are interested at a different price, but as long as there's a gap there, it's like, it's not worth it to me to trade him to you for that. 
I'd rather just cut them. Hey, Ryan. Daniel from California. Hey. I'm calling it now. Okay. Uh, uh, Jordan Love is going to have more than 30 touchdowns. I've watched the Chiefs game, and I've watched what we've seen in the Philly game. I believe in this kid, and you got to think about the, what this defense did both of those games against Jordan Love. The Eagles, they had their defense have a lot of influence from the Vic Fangio style because he was a consultant, so they were running a lot of the too high zone-based coverage stuff. So he picked that apart in the few drives we got to see him. So that's good. That's what everybody's running, right? And the game where he played the Chiefs, it was an Aaron Rodgers game plan. They didn't have built-in checks for when they blitzed, so there was no – um, there was no slants or no deep overs or any option routes to send that. It's all just the Aaron Rodgers drop back and throw fade um, and, you know, fade uh, off uh, offensive game plan. So you blitz the guy and, you know, the one thing he was doing on that in that game is he's finding the one-on-one uh, matchup and he's getting the ball to the right spot. So I believe in this dude. He's got to go up against the Vikings who just – are carrying it. The uh, Bears, who have no defense, he's going against the Lions. They have, they're starting to get somewhat of a defense. They just signed C.J. Gardner Johnson, but I believe in this guy, dude. I think he's, you know, and us on a third place schedule. Come on, I think this guy's going to just tear it up and at least get 30 touchdowns. If he throws 30 touchdowns and maybe 10 interceptions, 12 interceptions, like I think that might be enough to just people to. Maybe just talk, you know, slightly bad about this guy. But I freaking believe in this dude. I think he's going to tear it up next year. He, he does a, dude, there's a chance he can have 35 touchdowns. Like, I just, from what I see from this dude, like, I think it's not about what we haven't seen. It's about what we have seen. He makes the right throw. He throws, gets it out quick, and he plays within the offense. With that, looking at all these other guys on the 49er tree, anybody who can do that, they throw 30 touchdowns, right? Look at Jimmy Garoppolo. He could do that if you probably extrapolate um, Brock Purdy for a 17-game season. He probably did that, you know. I don't know. Take a look at it. But I think he's better than both those guys. And I think he could, you know, maybe be a better better Jared Goff, like, for, like, a floor. But let's see what we get. I'm pretty pumped. But, oh, yeah. Let's go, Jordan Love. I don't know who that other guy we had was. I'm really pumped about this new guy. So, go Paco. Yeah, I mean, just to put it in perspective, 30 is a really big number. Um, it doesn't seem like that big of a number. Like, 30 seems pretty normal, and, and 40 is when you get into, like, being impressive. That might just be a consequence of, of being Rodgers fans for such a long time. But um, if we just look at the regular season, only four quarterbacks hit 30. Geno Smith, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, and Pat Mahomes. And that's it. Nobody else had 30. And then you look at that list and, you know, reevaluate, well, how many of these guys did it their rookie seasons? Well, actually, of this list, Pat Mahomes did kind of, I mean, it wasn't his rookie rookie season, but his first starting season, he hit over 50. It's the only time he did that. Joe Burrow's first healthy season, he hit 34. I don't know what he was on track for in 2020, but it was actually nowhere near. So just to put it into context, um, this year, well, 2021, he threw the ball or had 600 dropbacks. 
2020, 4.50. He only had 13 touchdowns in 2020. So I don't necessarily think he was going to get there. Because even if you double it, his dropbacks would be 900. He's never even come close to that, and he was on pace for 26 if you double it. So I don't think he was getting there his rookie season. Um, Josh Allen, give me a break. Not even close. He was kind of terrible when he first started. And then Geno, same thing. I mean, he was never really that dude. So Mahomes is really the only guy that came out of the gate. You know, I mean, obviously it was it was his second year of actually touching a football, but his first year as a starter when he cracked 50. But, I mean, if he hit 25, and again, we're just talking regular season, if he hits 25, he's top 10. He would be tied for eighth this year with Tua, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert, and Tom Brady. He only really needed to hit 20 just to get into the top half. Um, I know injuries played a part into some of these, but, you know, Jalen Hurts, 22, Dak Prescott, 23, uh, Derek Carr, 24. So in a weird way, <laughs> there's it's a low bar but a high bar. Right, 30 is is rare, but even if he throws, like, one touchdown per game, which is garbage, he would be tied for 16th. So, like, just to be average, he needs to throw one touchdown a game. That's Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson, Davis Mills. Again, injuries played a part into that. Fields and Mills played 15, Lamar only 12. But, but that's, again, you're, you're, if we're just looking at touchdowns, 17 gets you halfway. So, yeah, I mean, if he cracks 30, it's, it's really not debatable. I mean, this year was kind of low for quarterbacks anyways, but there's a very good chance either way if he hits 30, he's top 10. Again, we're just talking touchdowns, but just to give you perspective on kind of how big that number really is, especially for a guy coming out right away. And and again, it's it's not even that massive of a number just from a standpoint of if you're playing 17 games, again, it's a high bar but a low bar. We're talking 1.7, 1.76 touchdowns a game. So, you know, in four games, if you throw 2-2-2-1, two, 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 you're good. You know, seven touchdowns every four games or so. And like you said, with the, the defense as being the biggest issue in the NFC North with the Vikings, the Bears, and the Lions, you know, TBD, but that seems to be the biggest issue across the board in the NFC North. Um, yeah, you would, you would be able to, you would imagine you'd be able to muster a couple touchdown passes in a game. All right. It's Austin from Georgia again. What's up, man? I was calling to do the second topic I wanted to talk to you about that I've been extremely fascinated to talk about that no one talks about. The Packers took Jordan Love in 2020, okay? Yeah. We all know that. It was, it's been a big deal ever since, okay? The, no one talks about the fact that that was the only quarterback that got to them that was within striking distance. Right. So people – are losing their minds still that they did this and they are where they are, okay? So, given that that might be the case, let's say Jordan Love doesn't get to even the 20s. Let's say the Colts take him, or I don't remember the, at the time right now who all was there that could have taken him but didn't. Where are we? Right. Well, it's funny. I know you called back in on Monday, but I've, I addressed this, I think, yesterday, um, talking about this. And also, I, I did a thing on Twitter a week or two ago kind of asking this question. Where would the Packers be right now if they didn't draft Jordan Love? Who are the quarterbacks? I mean, yeah, Jalen Hurts, but that wouldn't have really changed the calculus at all. Jalen Hurts would have been a guy that we, quote-unquote, massively reached on. 
He would have been sitting on our bench. Everybody assumes he's a complete bust and a joke. That's what everybody said when the Eagles drafted him. Ter- worst worst pick in the history of the universe. The Eagles, who don't need a quarterback, took Jalen Hurts. What a bunch of bums. So it wouldn't have changed anything. But yeah, look, I mean, how, how many quarterbacks even make it to us in the next couple of years? Of the quarterbacks that potentially made it to us or we could have traded up for, how many do you even want? The answer is zero. Where are we? We don't have a quarterback right. at all. So then we're forced to keep Rodgers and keep making this thing look worse. Now, you, okay, I know you're going to say, or someone could say for devil's advocate, Jordan could suck. That is a high possibility. But, but, at least we have an option. It, well, and, and I think it just goes to a larger point of, you know, as I said, first of all, you don't draft based on need. Everybody knows this, but nobody likes it. And even the people that pretend that they agree with it, they lose their minds when they don't get their way on something. You don't draft for what you need. You draft the best player available. And beyond that, quarterback is the most important position in the ent- on the entire football team. So of all the positions to piss and moan about, you know, you, 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 you take a defensive tackle when you don't really need one, but whatever, best player available. But God forbid you take a swing on a guy that you think can actually be a franchise quarterback. But beyond all that, this is a very rare thing. Pretty much every position, you'll find really good players that can make it into the 20s where the Packers usually pick. It gets tougher depending on on how important the position is. So wide receivers can make it, although it gets kind of tough. We saw that with the Packers last year where there was a pretty good group of Tier 1 wide receivers and they didn't quite make it to the Packers. Tight ends, of course, the most elite tight ends will make it to the 20s. Not always, but you know the, the mega elite guys won't. But there's there's great, great, great tight ends running backs, um, tackles, again, it gets to be a little tougher. Edge rushers, it's tougher. Quarterbacks, almost impossible. Jordan Love is a freaking unicorn, and like you said, he might be bad, but that doesn't change the equation. That doesn't change anything. You know, people get so hung up on this hindsight thing. Like, it either had to have been, you know, if, if you were wrong in the future, then you were wrong in the past. That's not true. There's a difference between what ended up being the right decision, meaning in hindsight we see that this would have been the right decision, but it still would have been the wrong decision back then. Let me give you an example. If you're playing blackjack and you're sitting at 20, should you hit? Never. Ever, ever, ever in a billion years should you hit. What happens if you find out the next card was an ace and the dealer hits 21? Well, now we can say in hindsight we should have hit, but that's not really the question because we didn't have the ability to see the future. The question is, given the time frame, given the best information, what was the right decision based on that information? The right decision at that time was to stay, not hit. Well, Heinz said, no, 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 no. Your job is to take all the best available information and make the best decision based on that information. If you did that, you did your job. And I think that's a big thing with Gutekunst and all this stuff. Like, well, in hindsight, it was a bad decision to do this, that, or the other. Okay, but in the moment, with all the information we had, what is the best decision to make, and did he make that decision, yes or no? I'm not going to critique somebody based on their ability to see random, completely improbable, nearly impossible situations developing in the future. Now, we can disagree on what the details were and what the right decision is based on those details. That's fine. But just to be very clear... His job is to take all the best information and do the right thing. And one of the things you take into account is, number one, best player available. Number two, take positions of high value, and there's nothing higher than quarterback. Number three, the Rodgers situation is deteriorating for about 17 different reasons. His play, his attitude, his, his cost, his age, etc. 
Number four, this never happens. Quarterbacks like this don't make it to us. And this may not happen again through the rest of our time with Aaron Rodgers. And if that was a part of the equation, guess what? Very good call. Because it didn't. Not one time did a quarterback that is worth anything make it anywhere close to where the Packers were picking. Not once. At least we have an option. I get it. We probably should have took a receiver or something of that nature. I'll be honest with you, my personal opinion, they didn't need a receiver in 2021 in the Super Bowl. Maybe that to themselves. They should have won. But whatever. We at least have an option. We have a guy that could possibly, you know, be our guy going forward. But no one talks about the fact that there was nobody else there last year where they were, the year before that. 2020, there was a guy that was highly talked about. You talked about your podcast, Agnosium, that was a high prospect for in, in round one. And he fell to them. Sure, they moved up to get him in two spots, but so what? It's still in striking distance. They got the guy they wanted. There was nobody there in 2021. There's nobody there in 2022. So let's say they don't take him. They're screwed. There are no other quarterbacks on the roster right now. Right. There is no life after Rodgers, maybe, at all. It's just Rodgers, and then we do what the Saints are doing now, and the Bucks and those other teams that suck without their guy that they lost. They didn't plan for it. No one's talking about it. No one talks about how if Jordan Love didn't get that far, where are we? That's, that's, that's what's crazy to me. No one else has been striking distance for two years. So I guess let me know what you think. Thanks. Yeah, and look, I, I, I've come to the conclusion that there are just different people with different ideas on how to run a football mm -hmm. team. Um, I think the Packers' track record speaks for itself as opposed to teams that actually do what a lot of these fans want. Um, and it, it sucks for you, I guess, that, that you have a GM that doesn't agree with your philosophy. You never have, to be honest. Ted Thompson certainly um, would not have done things differently than Gutekunst, with the exception of doing even less of what you want. Um so, yeah, you, you probably have never seen a GM that you agree with. Um, I would still, I've, I've asked this question several times, I would love to know the GM that you do like and do agree with, because as far as I know, all the best tend to agree with a lot of what the Packers do if you go to the Patriots and everything else. Um, generally much more conservative, focus on draft and develop, do minor things in free agency that have major impacts, those kinds of things. Um, the teams that take wild big swings like the idiotic Jets who are planning on spending three years worth of salary cap for one year of, of Aaron Rodgers, those kinds of teams generally tend to stay at the bottom. But they do all the stuff you like. They take all the big swings on all the big free agents. They spend all the money, and they end up going nowhere, and then they just keep doing that, keep swinging, and keep missing. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would love to know if there is a style of GM that you like, and of course you could just go straight to, well, just find the one team that did the one thing that I like, and that'll be the GM that I pick, like the Eagles who like went in, or the, uh, the the Rams, right? The team that went to the Super Bowl like two years prior already had a loaded roster and then spent all the money just to create a team that wasn't actually that good, caught fire at the right time, and then won a Super Bowl, partially because the path got paved by all the best teams losing and, and whatever else. But yeah, that, that could possibly be an example if you really wanted it to be. I think they've done things terribly. And um, they're in an absolute disaster of a situation right now as a result. But I mean, if that's what you want, then I guess it just sucks for you that you're not going to have that and probably won't because that's just not how the Packers do things. And I'm grateful for that, and you're not, and we just disagree, I guess. And I'm not going to tell you to go root for another team other than to say, 
if you're not massively attached to this team, it might be better to try to find a team that has a, a better philosophical bent toward what you like. Um, again, I don't even know who that would be other than maybe the Rams. Uh, might be a good good option. I'm guessing that's not the case. I mean, I could never abandon the Packers. I'm just saying if 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 you're kind of on the fence, maybe you're new here and you just are upset about some things. Maybe you're only here because of Rodgers. You know, you're a young person who's never really seen anything other than Rodgers and attach yourself to the team because of Rodgers. You could consider going to the Jets. I mean, they seem to agree with you that he's worth that money. I mean, if they were the Packers, they'd pay him because they're the Jets and they're willing to pay him. So maybe that's a team that would more align with what you agree with. But um, again, I, I keep hammering this thing to death, and I think the people that agree with me agree with me. The people that don't, that don't. I hope I provided at least a couple points that maybe haven't been considered. But I feel like at this point I've uh, pretty thoroughly covered every angle and every reason why I stand on what I stand on, why I agree with the Packers, with Gutekunst and Ron Wolf and Ted Thompson and all those guys with their draft and develop philosophy that focuses on um, doing a really good job of evaluation and just finding good football players and putting them on the roster and letting the rest handle itself rather than focusing on needs. Um, whether that be this year, next year, or any other year. It's it's just about finding the best players that you possibly can for your football team and trusting that if we have good coaches, if we did a good job evaluating and, and fill our roster full of talent and we take care of the salary cap, the rest will take care of itself. I think that that makes the absolute most sense. Some people don't. They don't like it. They'd rather just take wild swings. Um, again, I think the biggest frustration I have is it, it doesn't ever really end up being a super intellectual discussion. It's just, if you would have done what I said, we would have won. Well, that's obviously stupid, but I mean, I don't, I, I, there's nothing I can say to that. You know, if we would have gotten the wide receiver, we would have won a Super Bowl, at least one. Like, what, what, what am I supposed to say to that? Obviously, in my mind, that is wildly ridiculous. I mean, the, the only thing I could really do is I want you to tell me beforehand which team did the best job, not after the fact. Because the problem is everybody wants to go back and, and pretend they're smart, right? If I tell you to give me an example of a team that did it right, you're going to say the Rams and the Bucks. You're not going to mention the 55 other teams that have done the same thing and crashed and burned. So prior to the season, you tell me which team did the best job drafting, which team did the best job in free agency, and we'll see how that plays out. I think there's going to be a different result. Just, just like the... Uh, the, the wide receiver situation. Again, everybody wanted Denzel Mims. Now that it's come out that Denzel Mims is not very good, not as good. Oh, no, no, no. I, I meant the other guy. If we would have got the other guy. Like, it's just, it's all just being dishonest. And it's, it, it's like, it just feels to me like it's, it's childlike behavior. It's not about how do we take a step back and really think about what is the best philosophy for the team? And did we adhere to this philosophy? It's just, I want what I want. I want a Super Bowl. I didn't get it. I'm mad. I'm going to blame people. I'm going to say if you'd have done this or that or whatever. It's just it's just this wild, swinging, whining, crying, screaming temper tantrum. I would I would really love to hear more of a thought out, philosophical approach. Like this is how I think things should be approached, regardless of like not like this is this is what I like because if we just applied to this one situation, it would have got me what I want, and then I can make my argument and try to win the argument. I'm talking about forget all that. Moving forward, what do you want to do? And that is a good question. If you disagree with Brian Gutekunst and Ted Thompson and Ron Wolf and, and, and that, that philosophy that has been built here, acknowledging that Jordan Love is our guy right now, what's the plan? What is your vision? And, I mean, it's a good question for everybody, whether you agree, disagree, or whatever. Like, what... What is the philosophy moving forward? Personally, I want to I get back to that. 
And again, one of those components is the salary cap. I want that cleaned up, which really just means stop distorting the contracts so that we're paying people a massive amount of money when they're gone and overinflating contracts at certain points in the year that we get stuck with. Again, I don't have any problem with the contracts going up because the salary cap goes up, but I'm talking about when it's disproportionate, that's a problem. And I want to get studs. Because look, I, I, even if you and I sat down and we said, you know what, we've crunched all the numbers and we've run all the analytics and we've done everything we could and it's come to our attention that wide receiver is the biggest need for this team. And if we can get a stud wide receiver, then, then we, we are heads and tails better than where we've been. But what if we come back and also conclude that Jackson, let's just say Jackson Smith and Jigba, you know, is sort of a second tier, decent guy, but this other pass rusher, who cares who it is, actually is like Rashawn Gary. Look, I'm sorry. Give me Rashawn Gary. I want to look at the positional value. I want to look at the player's talent. And I, I just I just want superstars. And the thing is, when you come down to it, again, at the time, the Rashawn Gary thing didn't make a lot of sense. Nobody liked him. Not a ton of production in college. Seemed like a bit of a project because he's a down guy. We got to get him to stand up. He needs to learn to be an outside linebacker. He's more of a run defender and all this stuff. Plus, we just paid a bunch of money for edge rushers. We don't need it. But does anybody regret superstars ever? Has there ever been a guy that's a star on the team that's like, yeah, but we just don't really need it? That's where even like with corner, it's like, I just don't know. What a, but if, if, if he ended up becoming the Richard Sherman, right? If he ended up, whoever we're talking about, Witherspoon or whatever, is like the, the, the best corner the Packers have ever evaluated. Are we going to be really mad about it? Yeah, there's other holes. And we can focus on trying to plug a four-inch hole with a two-inch plug. If that's really what you want to do. But again, I, I guess what I would respect is don't just act ret retroactively and say, you know, the only thing I care about is, is tweaking this one thing. There's a system in place. You can't just go back and tweak one thing. You follow the system or you create a new one. How do you think we should operate? And I'm, I'm more than willing to listen, you know, and it doesn't have to be a complete, di you know, divergence from what the Packers do. It could just be, I like what they do. However, in these situations, I think the program should be to do X, Y, and Z. But I'm just bored with this flippant, you know, small picture thinking. And, and t instead of stepping back and looking at the whole thing, we zoom in on one thing I don't like and say, I don't like that, shouldn't have done that. Okay, explain to me the process that gets us to where you're talking. Because it sounds like to me you're talking about drafting specifically for need and if that's what you want to do that's fine but that's a whole different thing and i don't agree i mean just and, and obviously it's not going to be this black and white but I'll, I'll leave it at this if you were loaded with edge rushers and had no safeties would you rather have rashawn gary or darnell savage do you draft for need and take darnell savage or do you draft best player available and take rashawn gary you don't need an edge rusher i'm not saying it's an easy decision you might be talking about trading back there's a lot of different things you can do but are we talking need? I mean, it's, it's a hypothetical, but again, we, we have to analyze what it is we think is the right course of action. What do you think is the right course of action? Need or best player? If I'm not allowed to trade, give me Rashawn. I'm not saying it's perfect. I mean, there's problems with it, obviously. But that's where I'm at. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. 
Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, Ryan. It's uh, Jersey Mike. Hey. So, uh, on my way to work this morning, uh, I saw some uh, Twitter grumblings last night about Brett Coleman and Pat McAfee and, and this whole spillio dealio that's going on. And I just I just want to say something to everybody so we could, we could all get on the same page to some extent, right? Look, this, this is what it comes down to. Brett Coleman is a decent dude who is a big voice inside the NFL community, okay, uh, for a lot of things. And he turns around and, and sees a cause that's worth getting the word out and tries to get McAfee, who's part of the Colts community, which this directly affected, to, to get the to get the word out, and, and McAfee blocked him. And you know, if McAfee tried to mute him or whatever the heck it was, it was really it was really untasteful. Then he goes spouting off, "Well, oh, I donate to charity. I donate millions a year, so don't come with me." I, you know what? You know what? Here, here's the problem. I want everybody to take this to heart. Just because you make millions of dollars does not make you special. Right. Just because you make nothing does not make you garbage. Right. Right. Who you are as a person is the most important part, not what you do uh, when it comes to monetary gains, right? Because I know some of the most selfish people on the face of the planet are the most well-off. Um, but, but what I want to say is, hey, you know, it, it don't take much to help somebody. You don't have to have money to help a lady, you know, walk across the street who, who's struggling. You know, I, I once helped a lady up a hill. She was... She was kind of heavy, and she had to get to the bus stop so she could get to the doctor. And she asked me, she goes, young man, I see you walking around. Can you help me up this hill? And I just walked over, and I helped her up that hill, and she tried to offer me money, and I said no. But that, that's the kind of thing that you do as a person. So if other people are asking for help, and it's not something that's going to take any more time than five seconds, then you know what? Unless you do it, you're not a good person because, quite frankly, doing something like that doesn't make you a good person. It makes you – a decent person. So can we all strive to be more decent? Thank you. Go Pat, go. Yeah, you kind of hit on all the all the points that I had about it. I mean, again, it, it, it starts with 
him taking a turn from just like everybody's buddy, like a nice dude who gives all this money away and everything else to just everything he did being wrong. And, you know, I mean, people make mistakes from a PR standpoint, like you should have said this, you could have done this. But I think the bigger point is it's not that he slipped up. It just it, it feels like we're seeing a side of him that we didn't know that was there. Like, I thought that you were this kind of person, and it seems like you're maybe this kind of person. And the idea that Brett Coleman did something terrible by tagging him. I mean, people do that stuff all the time. A simple retweet, you know? You have a massive audience. What does he have, a million followers or something? Probably, I'm guessing, I have no idea. Retweet it and say, Colts community, let's get this guy some help. And if you want to give money or not, nobody needs to know. That's your own business. And if you feel like donating and you want people to know that you're donating, you can add that to your tweet. We're going to be giving... And we'd love it if, if others in the Colts community and outside of it could help this man through a, a troubling time. But blocking a guy or even meet, muting a guy, it just seems insane to me. And then to, you know, again, go back and, and defend every little thing that he did. And yeah, I got a lot of that from the Pat McAfee defenders talking about how much money he makes and how much money he gives away. And, it's like, and, I, and my, my thing was, well, good to know. When I become a millionaire, that means I get to be a dirtbag because I can just buy my way into morality. It's amazing to me that people will come around and defend bad behavior because they're rich, which I know is not what they're actually doing. They're just trying to defend McAfee because this is a whole like McAfee and Rogers versus the Packers thing. And they, they just can't let that thing go. So if anybody comes out and talks about McAfee, well, you're, you're just a Rogers hater. Yeah. But the point is when you find yourself defending bad behavior and making ridiculous comments, like, you know, yeah, well, he makes millions of dollars and he gives a bunch away, so who are you? You don't get to buy your way out of doing something wrong. That's not how that works. You know, that, that old lady that needs help across the street, if I walk up and smack her in the face and everybody comes rushing after me to, to beat the crap out of me, I don't get to say, whoa, 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 guys, guys, it's fine, it's fine, I'm a millionaire, I can do that. I said something like that on Twitter and I was like, well, you can't use that as an example. That's, that's extreme. Well, that's how examples work. That's how analogies work. It, if, if it's true on a small scale, it's true on a large scale, right? Or are we making new rules? There's like tiers to this thing. Like if you make millions, then you can be just kind of a jerk and it's not a big deal. If you make billions, now you can smack old ladies. Like Elon, smacking old ladies. Pat McAfee, you know, we're, we're talking about uh, slightly unkind behavior. No, just don't defend bad stuff. You don't have to come down and say, you know what, you're right, this guy's a piece of garbage, and I hate Rodgers, and everything that Gutekunst has ever, do ever done is right, because if I lose this argument, my entire life crumbles, and everything I stand for fails. Dude, it's okay to hold all of your opinions and just say, you know, in this case, this wasn't a great thing. Not a good look. Don't do that, and don't keep digging your heels in. So, yeah, and, and, and again, that, that for me was the biggest thing is... I felt like I knew Pat McAfee, and this just kind of showed a darker side of who he is as a person, whether that's always been who he is or if this whole getting famous thing is kind of getting to him and, you know, the Packers thing was really bothering him and he was just all whipped up and maybe liquored up or something. I have no idea. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I just think, I mean, for me, that's the biggest thing is he's not the guy I thought he was, um, which is fine. I mean, that, you listen to my content. I'm certainly not Pat McAfee. I'm not afraid to call people names or this or that or give my opinion as brutally harsh. But that's my thing. You know what I mean? You either like me or you don't. 
um, Pat McAfee tried to be something else. And if you're not that anymore, then it's, you know, maybe the new thing will be fine too, but it just doesn't feel like it fits. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. And maybe, maybe he just takes a step back and is just like, whatever, let's just skip. It seems like that's what he's doing. Like, let's just get back to our regular schedule programming, kind of like what politicians do. Don't talk about it. Ignore it. Move on. And then when people try to bring it up and be like, I don't want to move on. I want to talk about this. It's like, oh, geez, you just can't let anything go. And then eventually they get chastised enough where they stop and everything is forgiven and forgotten. Right? That's how it goes. That's probably the smart move. That's what he should do. I think that is what he's doing. But he's got to stay away from that kind of stuff, in my opinion. Maybe maybe he's going to hit a home run with, with a little bit more hard-hitting, um, you know, opinionated type stuff. I think he's better off just being the old Pat McAfee. We'll see. I love the Internet. It looked like they were swinging uh, towards Rogers' favor. You know, everybody's like, I can't believe Green Bay is getting rid of Rogers. And, you know, all of us uh, pro-Jordan love people were trying to, you know, defend the guy and defend the choice and everything. But now it comes out that Jordan Love is already doing off-season work oh. with a bunch of the, like, key role players, you know, like a normal quarterback should be, and Rodgers is getting dragged online, and I am totally here for it. I love it. Thank you, Internet. Well, and that's honestly a perfect follow-up, because it's the exact same thing. I, I now am, am, am trying to get in, I'm getting into arguments with people who are trying to tell me that practicing in March has no benefit whatsoever. None. Zero. It doesn't do anything. And so, therefore, practice doesn't do anything. Like, it, you know what I mean? Like, when you get yourself into a situation where you're arguing that level of stupidity, I mean, if you want to say, try to make some kind of a coherent argument in terms of why it's not necessary. Well, Rodgers is, is already really good. First of all, Rodgers was not good. That's garbage. Um, second of all, no matter how good you are, you could always be better. The idea that, well, he's been good for five years, that means he doesn't need to do anything. Not only does he not need to practice, he doesn't need to eat well, he doesn't need to exercise, he doesn't need to watch film, he doesn't need to do anything because he's great. That's not true. You got to keep working out, you got to keep eating right, you got to keep staying in that book, you got to keep learning and growing and everything else, and you know what helps? Practicing. And you know what would be ma majorly beneficial? as Doing it as much as possible, as early as possible, and with your teammates. But here's the bigger point. Even if even if Rodgers doesn't need it, it's not freaking about you, dude. It's about the other guys. It's about you and them getting on the same page. It's about them getting better. It's about them learning your hand signals, learning your checks, learning this, learning that. You can work on all that stuff. But again, you have, and I, I got to stop engaging with it because some of these conversations are so stupid. I know that they don't actually believe this, but it, it just, it devolves into the point where you back him into a corner and try to get him to see, like, look, there's nowhere to go. You're wrong on this. Let it go. And and it just, again, devolves into training in March does nothing. Jordan Love just needs to do it because he doesn't know how to do anything yet, and so he needs to kind of get warmed up. But that's the only reason he's doing it. <sighs> again, I, I understand that you are pro-Rogers, anti-Goot. I understand that that's your team. But... What you need to do is not get so locked into your crew and be much more open to taking in new information and also understanding that not everything you believe in terms of your camp is right, right? Like, Rodgers didn't do everything right, and Rodgers didn't do everything wrong. 
Gutekunst hasn't done everything right. He hasn't done everything wrong. But we get so entrenched that even on one minor issue where you say, love is doing it right and Rogers was doing it wrong, can't have it. Can't do it. Can't even discuss it. How dare you compare the two? How dare you even expect him to do anything in March? How dare you even think that there is some kind of a benefit to going and playing in March when Rodgers doesn't even need it because he's perfect? I mean, come on, guys. This, this, this whole thing is silly. I, I mean, what, what, what do you think we're playing here? I mean, I can't even come up with an example of something where you don't need to try to be good at. I mean, it's a game that's purely luck, like what, the game of life or something? This is football. And not just football, it is football at the highest level. And I have to sit here and freaking explain to grown adults that putting in effort is a good thing and not putting in effort is a bad thing. And I can't get them to bend on that even a little. It is the most pathetic thing on planet Earth, and it's tiring. Nobody's willing to give up an inch of ground. They're so angry that the people over there that they've been screaming at and hating are excited about something and feel good about something, that Jordan Love is doing something right, that Jordan Love is doing what they always said that Rodgers should be doing, and this just fills them with anger, and the first thing they need to do is come over with some sarcastic comment to make it seem as though there's nothing to be happy about, there's nothing good about this, and if Rodgers had done it, it would have been a waste of his time. How many times have we said, Aaron Rodgers lost Devontae, Pat Mahomes lost Tyreek Hill, Rodgers missed the playoffs, Pat Mahomes won the Super Bowl. Pat Mahomes was working with his guys in the offseason. Rodgers was out in the woods. He was out in Hawaii with Shailene or whatever he was doing. I don't know. Was that last year or the year before? Who knows? Who cares? Hollywooding it up. That's the thing. Rodgers is already retired. He's already living the life. He's already out in Hawaii with celebrities playing guitar, dating different movie stars every year. He's already living the life. He's trying to live both sides of it. I get to go be the retired Hollywood star over here who just does all the cool stuff. And then I'll begrudgingly come back to this stupid football thing because I want another Super Bowl ring and I want to add to my legacy. And, you know, I want to feel the roar of the crowd and all that stuff. I want all the good stuff and none of the bad stuff. Well, the good stuff is how you, the, the bad stuff is how you get to the good stuff. And if you're not willing to do the bad stuff, then you shouldn't be here. I just, I just cannot understand why I need to even explain this to grown adults. And then I get into the, I should just start muting people. I, I feel like it's so stupid, I'm easily going to win this argument, and I can't. And they will not let it go. They will dig themselves down the deepest hole and still just not give up. Nope, 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 nope. They, they can't even see anymore. They're so deep into the core of the earth. There's no oxygen. There's no light. They're, they're in a black freaking hole, literally. And it's just, they, they just will not budge. Nope, I'm fine. I can see everything. Everything's perfect in here. I just, I got to stop engaging with the nonsense. Hey, Ryan, Uncle Rico here. Hey. I just wanted to comment on the Jurassic Park, Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Yeah, definitely not horror movies. Thank you. Not even close. Uh, action, adventure, maybe, on the uh, thriller, possibly, on the Jurassic Park. And uh, not horror on on Silence of the Lambs. It's a little scary, it's a little freaky, but not horror. Right. No. And... Uh, think you should run for president thank you of you know the whole world or at least the country yeah. so go back go rico out yeah actually my plan is to wait until we have this whole one world government you know that i don't know exactly how that works i should ask the robot i'm not i'm not super tuned in on that uh one world government thing let's see 
says uh, there's many conspiracy theories. One of the most popular theories is that the government of both the U.S. and Soviet Union were controlled by a cabal of corporate internationalists, greedy bankers, that's in quotes, and corrupt politicians who were intent on using the U.N. as a vehicle to create a one-world government. You know what I don't like about it? I mean, maybe what you do is you allow these U.N. types to get in there and run it, and then I... But the problem is, like, once you get to one-world government, it's not election time. I mean, I'd pretty much need your guys' help to overthrow in a coup. So, something along those lines. Because I don't think one-world governments generally have elections. Not that we've ever super experienced anything like it, but... Yeah, I'm thinking uh I'm thinking I don't get voted in. But uh yeah, I just I just don't like those uh the UN types. They seem a little I don't know. A little weird. They're always worried about stupid stuff, you know? Boring garbage. So, I mean, I don't want to say I'm going to kill them. I, I you can't talk about that kind of stuff on the podcast. You got to keep it uh but you know, if I'm going to get in there, Maybe, who knows, maybe these uh, one-world government types will decide that democracy is the best way, which makes no sense why they would go to all this trouble to uh, use political influence and probably murder and everything else to, to, to gain the power just so that they can lose it in elections to people who hate them for taking over the entire world. So yeah, I, I guess I'm going to need your help. Another theory is that one world government would rule the world one day and includes many conspiracies, including Illuminati, lizard people, aliens, and elite. What is with the... Um, is it Illuminati or what's the one with the little compass thing? Oh, the Freemasons? Down in Madison, there's this massive building, and it's like a Freemason building. Like, how do you get that? It sounds to me, like, everybody talks about it like it's a big deal. It sounds to me like it's like a like a lodge, you know? Like a place where guys go to hang out and feel like they're cool, except it's like a lodge for nerds. I don't know. It's just the vibe I get, you know? Instead of, like, going to a place where they've got, like, a sauna... You know, you go in there and just kind of, you know, loosen up the joints a little bit, smoke a cigar, have a little bit of whiskey, maybe play some golf, you know, that kind of a lodge. It's like, I want the secret knowledge. And then you play this game to try to get secret knowledge that probably isn't actually there, and even if you find it, it's not super interesting. But uh, I could be wrong. Maybe maybe they do rule the world. They, they hide in plain sight, though. I'll tell you that. These guys put freaking stickers on their car like, I'm a Freemason. Like, wow, that's that's amazing. Congrats on that. Congrats on ruling the world. But yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, it wouldn't actually be all that surprising, to be honest with you, as crazy as everything is. And as much as, you know, I mean, the government kind of just does whatever it wants. I think, uh, I don't know. I don't know. We don't need to go down that road. I'm just saying, if I'm going to run the world, which probably would be a good idea, I just think force is the only way, man. So we're going to have to get working on that. By the way, if I disappear... First of all, this is a joke. Second of all, if I disappear, it it was the Illuminati for sure. The lizard people or something. How does that work with lizard people? I don't understand. Is that like a real thing? It says lizard people, aliens, and elites. So it must be like a thing that involves actual like lizard people and aliens. That's interesting. Some people believe the U.S. empire is openly working to unite the planet under a single power structure, which effect- effectively functions as a one government in many ways. Whatever, dude. As long as I can do my podcasts and keep making money. I mean, it doesn't do them any good to just kill us all, right? And with all this AI stuff and everything, what, what do you need me to work in the coal mines? No, you don't. Just let Elon build his gigafactories or whatever, and we can power everything. That's the other, like, what are you going to control in a one-world government anymore? Like, what do you need me to do? 
Is it just going to be like a status thing? Like, I control this whole thing, and I'm like, cool, dude, leave me alone. I'm busy. In my virtual world, meeting fake people who are kind of real, but they have avatars. I'm playing fake tennis with uh, Stalin over here. But congrats on running the world. I don't know. It's a weird thing. I wonder what that would look like. Like, in, in a very futuristic world where, obviously, there are places that don't have running water, but we assume that we're going to get over that hump, and that's going to be... Like, okay, so so everybody now is on an equal plane. We all got this artificial everything. We got robots in our freaking brains. We got artificial intelligence that kind of does everything for us. And you want to take over the whole world for what? You know, like back in the day, it was like, I want to control everything so I get all the money, all the power, all the whatever. I guess it's still kind of power. Control people. The whole David and Bathsheba thing, maybe, if you're just into assaulting people. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm, I, I don't know. If you're bored, you could have people killed, I guess. I'll just mind my business and hang out, do my podcast. I hope football stay around. Like, why would you bother to take that away? That's what I'm saying. Like, what are you going to do? I say no more football. Why, dude? That sucks. Yeah, it's true. Football's pretty cool. Never mind. Football for everyone. Hey, thanks for freaking doing nothing, idiot. But anyways, yes, I, I would tend to agree that Jurassic Park and Silence of the Lambs are not uh, what you medusies. Hello, caller number five. Hey. Just a couple quick things. Uh, one, my quarterback is actually doing more than the bare minimum, uh, which is amazing. And it's, <laughs> I just can't be happier than than what I feel right now, knowing Jordan Love is going to be taking over and he's doing off-season things with his team. And um, he seems to give a crap. And, you know, um, uh, you know how people call us entitled town or whatever. So yeah. Some fans who, you know, can't get – can't get off of the whole Rogers. You guys are gonna, you guys are gonna see when he's gone. Blah blah blah. You know who's entitled? The guy who who demands respect without giving any. Um, AKA Mister, I'm gonna go on Pat and, and dump on the front office when they haven't said anything about me publicly. How dare they try and shop me? How dare they? I'm one of the greatest players in no. the history, and you are, man. You really are. But let's relax. You're the one who's entitled. You don't want to put in the work. You wanted to go 90% sure you were gone, and then they start shopping you, and now you're now you're ready to do the work. Like, no, miss me with it. I'm going to roll with Jordan Love. That's the first thing. Second thing, um, you said you were um, you were reading about Jordan Love and Love's story or whatever. I love a 10 to 15 minute little uh, section on Jordan Love the guy. If you can gather some information on that. I've read a bunch of stuff, but it'd be nice to hear you say it on the pod for those who haven't read a, yeah. up on the kid's story. Um, I said 10 to 15, knowing you, it's probably going to be more like 30. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, and it's, then the last yeah. thing I wanted to say was uh, one of the most annoying, one of the most annoying uh, retorts you get when you're talking about who has leverage or whatever, and I'm sick of that conversation, by the way, but when Jets fans are saying, don't you want to get Jordan Love help this year? It's like, man, we don't lose our picks. If if we don't trade them to you, we don't suddenly. Oh no, fifteen is gone. No, we still have picks in this draft. We have a lot of them. Yeah. All right. Give us thirteen and shut your mouth and keep rolling. Good luck with Rogers. That's all. A half a rant. Anyway, have a good one. Yeah, and, and again, I think at the end of the day, the Packers are going to do what they always do, and that's to take the best player available. And again, generally, there's there's a group of guys. It's not one guy at the top. They'll look and they say there's three guys, and there may be a philosophy within that where they say, okay, we've got a wide receiver, we've got a tight end, we've got a defensive tackle, and we have them graded. Um, 
obviously slightly differently, but they're in the same tier and we want to select from this tier. And then the question becomes, should we build that defensive line to help stop the run, to build up this defense? Should we focus on getting a tight end as somewhat of a um, focusing on helping the offense and Jordan Love by number one, providing that relief valve tight end that he can dump it off to. And then of course, number two, helping to improve the run game a little bit, depending on which tight end we're talking about. Or do we go wide receiver and try to get that triple threat with Dobbs and, and Watson and, and, you know, JSN or whoever they end up drafting, probably somebody that, you know, nobody's really talking about anymore. Um, so, so that kind of becomes that question, but I just, I just think people need to expect that to be the situation. And if there is only one guy left on the tier, which is what I think happened with Jordan Love, right? You're looking at it and there's, for example, you know, two guys with first round grades. I like Justin Jefferson and Jordan Love. Justin Jefferson, somebody, tra- you know, the Vikings trade up, they get Jefferson. There's one guy left. He's probably not going to make it to us. We can chance it, sit here and see if he makes it, or we can sit here and, uh, pick a second round pick or we can trade up and go get that guy we got one opportunity to get one last guy so you do it so yeah i, I think um generally speaking although well I, I shouldn't say that i was gonna say they're not gonna go into it saying we have to help jordan love and i don't think they will from a very strict standpoint i think that might be sort of a sub factor so again you start with best player available and then if you have multiple then you go to your next phase of the philosophy do we focus on offense defense is it do we focus on character guys that'll fit in our locker room best do we want guys that are multi-versatile guys that can potentially contribute on special teams probably not a big priority for the first round but maybe i don't know you know what i mean that but that's where you get sort of that secondary pri uh secondary whatever like which guy fits this the best so all that to say i think the discussion of don't you want to help jordan love it's kind of a moot point because that's not how the Packers are going to approach the draft. It may come out that way if that is sort of their sub point. It'll certainly tip in that direction. But if it doesn't fall that way, it doesn't fall that way. It is what it is. And again, beyond that, aside from your point that, well, we have other picks so we can still help Jordan Love, right, and we also have next year. So if we get a pile of picks next year and Jordan Love's the guy, guess what? We get to invest in him. That's, that was the other thing I was saying about next year's picks is, if Jordan Love is not the guy, and I don't know if you can make that determination in one year, but considering they've had him for three, and then you check, see if you can check that final box, and if you can't, maybe it's time to move on. Maybe you could package Jordan for some picks. You take the picks that you have, you go up and get a quarterback. Or if Jordan Love looks like he is the guy, but he could use some offensive line help, wide receiver help, whatever, use those picks next year to help him. So yeah, it's it's not a question of do this and help Jordan Love, or he gets no help. No, one way or another, we're going to help the football team, and that's going to help Jordan Love. It's going to help Aaron Jones. It's going to help everybody on the team. But yeah, I'm I'm with you. Hey, same with the entitled thing. I think Rodgers certainly comes across as entitled. I think the most entitled thing he said this entire time was talking about how, you know, players of certain stature should be given special treatment on the way out the door. And I don't know. Again, if there were some specifics, maybe he could illuminate that a little bit in a way in which I'd look at it and go, yeah, I guess that kind of makes sense, but it just, it comes across terribly. Hey, this is Mike. I was thinking maybe Rogers has been uh, listening too much to the songs they play at Lambeau. You know, the da na na No, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, I don't want to work. Oh, yeah, yeah. Song. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I get it. Joke landed. Well done. Hey, Ryan, Daniel from California. Here's my uh, Jordan-led love 
2023, like, wish list, which would just be great all around. For the Packers, I would like uh, a wild card berth. You know, not expecting it, but if Jordan Love shows up and can be a confident starting quarterback, you know, a top 15 quarterback, you know, we run the ball out with Dylan and Jones. Christian Watson has his big plays. Uh, Dobbs solidifies as a strong number two. And we do that. You know, the offense has it to where possibly we can do it. Maybe this, this draft will drop some more linemen on the offensive line, so, you know, we can make that happen. The defense gets back, you know, halfway between what it was in 2021, halfway between, or 21 and 2022. We can just get back halfway in between that, the, how they were executing and making the, the plays they need to make to win. We get to that point, we get to wild card playoff first, and I'm okay with losing the first, you know, losing the first round of the playoffs. Right, just to show, like, hey, this guy is something. Right, that's my what I want. I want Aaron Rodgers to go to the Jets. I want him to uh, get the J and J vaccine because the owners, you know, <laughs> Woody Johnson. I want him to get a face tattoo, and I want him to win the Super Bowl. And uh, okay, us to get some compensatory picks, and then everybody can win because I'm just tired of all these crybabies. You know, all these guys are out here like, oh, you said this, you said that. Fucking grow up. <laughs> it's, you know, we're all adults here. I'm fucking tired of it. Let's see what this guy's got. You know, if you're, if you're bowing down Aaron Rodgers and you're, you know, saying this guy sucks because he's doing this, you're like, yeah, maybe you're not a logical person. How about that? Grow up, people. Go Paco. Yeah, I think all that sounds good, aside from the part where Rodgers wins the Super Bowl. It's not that I necessarily wish anything bad against him. But do you know how much life is going to be miserable from people who think that that would have happened here? Doesn't matter. That's it. Jordan Love for the rest of his career will never match up to Aaron Rodgers. He'll never be. That was always a mistake. Blah, 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 blah. Just go there and have a mediocre season because it's the freaking Jets. Okay? And then, yeah, if we can get into the wild card. And it really, it's not even so much... From a Jordan Love standpoint, the record doesn't super matter. He could play really well, and the team's not great. Not that that's a good thing. But it, it, in terms of what I want from Jordan Love, I don't want to say playoffs, because he could be an elite player, and the team falls off, and they don't make the playoffs. And it's like, well, Jordan Love fell short. Well, that's ridiculous. And likewise, they can fight their way into the playoffs, and Jordan Love really just wasn't that good. So I just want him to be there. And And I think the other thing, too, is you got to remember, we've seen good football teams. What I want to see is a team that comes together and a team that really rallies when, when it matters the most. We didn't see that. We didn't see it from Rodgers. We didn't see it from the rest of the guys. We saw a team that crumbled in, in prime time. I want to see a team that's ready to rise to the occasion. Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. Thanks for all the calls. Again, 608 We're starting to get caught up. We're all the way to Tuesday. Um, so just a couple days behind. Thanks again. Talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.